welcome to Messiah's Upper Room Podcast. Each week, you join Messiah's Upper Room Bible Study Class, led by Pastor Jim Adi. This week and next week, we are continuing on our break from the Gospel of John due to the holiday season, but that doesn't mean you on the podcast are to go without. Please enjoy this conversation with Pastor Adi as I sit down with him this week and we talk about the Bible. prepared Uh on something. The brown book. Yeah, so this is my Kindle, but I'm trying to go through the entire Bible Mm -hmm. this year. I'm kind of in the home stretch. I'm in Luke right now. The the hard part was going through the entire Old (laughs) Old Testament, (laughs) especially a few parts in there. Sure. Uh, Kings, Judges, Numbers. Yeah. What is it? Yeah, Numbers was definitely... Leviticus. Yeah. All the laws, the different laws. You know, one of the things that I think sometimes people um, get a little confused about is that in the listing of the laws, they're not categorized like easily indexed. So some of the laws are dietary, and some of them are worship-oriented, and some of them are are legal, and some of them are societal (laughs) and medical and nutritional. And they're all sort of lumped together— where you don't get a sense of uh, which is which, you kind of would have to pull them apart and list them out and then kind of see. And I think that because of that, sometimes people feel that uh, we Christians are kind of cherry-picking or picking and choosing which laws we say are, you know, proscriptive or prescriptive, for uh, life for all time, and then which of them are kind of culturally conditioned that were only for that day and age or for, you know, people that are Jewish people. Right. I mean, so that's kind of sometimes, I think, a confusing aspect of the laws yeah. in the Old Testament. And, and one thing that I didn't really realize, and feel free to correct me if I'm wrong, but reading back on some of those laws, I didn't—it didn't hit me until, like, my my later 20s that— uh, some of the laws where where you know this person in your in the community is unclean, therefore you know they need to make a sacrifice and then be separated from the group yeah. for a period of you know seven days or however sure. long right. for their uncleanness to mm-hmm. to leave them or until they're cleansed. I'm like, well, that's that's just quarantine. That's, that's modern that day is. quarantine. That's I'm like, right. Because because back back then they mm-hmm. didn't have the modern day medical advances that we do that we have now. Yeah. Uh, and even then, still today, we do have quarantine procedures sure. and whatnot, and that's that was just biblical quarantine. Yeah, it, and it made perfect sense to do that because when you basically have communal life, then the likelihood of you know close proximity, especially like the leprosy laws, yeah. as an example, uh, you would uh, likely spread the disease to someone else, and then not necessarily they would have a a remedy for it, you know, other than like miraculous healing. But Jesus is about the only one that was doing that job, you know. Right. And and one, and something that I've found while just running through the Bible Mm -hmm. uh, from from start to hopefully finish this year, um, is that and kind of on the on the topic that you mentioned of others kind of criticizing Christians of picking and choosing. Yeah what verses yeah. they like to listen to and what right. which ones they don't. 
a, a lot of criticisms that I find against Christianity deals with the cherry picking of Old Testament verses and how intolerant or how mm-hmm. fire and brimstone God is. And like, why would someone want to follow a uh, just such a, I can't really describe it uh, for lack of a better term, but horrific uh, actions from a God. Mm-hmm. And how can that God be at the same time so loving right. with, with Jesus Christ? And, and the more that I reflect on it, I'm like, well, the, the whole reason why we have the Old Testament is that that is just the setup of the story. Like, like w- mm-hmm. it, it, it doesn't make, like just coming at it from an overall author perspective, I'm right. like, it, it doesn't make any sense to have the height of your story at the very beginning. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you right. have to establish, you have to establish yourself first. You have to establish sure. your, your reputation, who you are, mm-hmm. what your characteristics are. Right. And that's all that, that the old Testament is, is that mm-hmm. it's the setting up of the story mm-hmm. and everything. The more that I study it, everything in the old Testament from the, from the very beginning start mm-hmm. like just starts, laying down breadcrumbs right. and stepping stones to Jesus yeah, Christ and the Gospels. Yeah. Yeah, I I think that one of the things that people sometimes have difficulty with, too, and you mentioned it a few minutes ago with respect to some of these um, acts of God's wrath on nations, you know, uh, sort of uh, using the children of Israel as his arm of justice, so to speak, and and the stories of where they're commanded to go in to a, a nation and just obliterate it, you know, wipe out everything. What often isn't part of the biblical record but is part of the historical record is what those nations were like in their pagan practices. And so the pagan practices themselves oftentimes included uh, human sacrifice and they w- would go out and wage war in order to gather enough, gather up enough human uh, p- people, obviously, in order to human, sacrifice them. Yeah, yeah. human livestock. Yeah, I mean, you, because the shedding yeah. of blood, in some sense, would appease the god that they had. You know, either by fire, uh, burning people, or taking their hearts. You know, some of the some of the uh, practices of the Aztec. Uh, cult uh, civilizations, you know, right. uh, sort of mirrored some of that as well. And so, you know, that that's the backstory very often that isn't necessarily part of the biblical record, at least as far as, you know, we, we sort of get the aftermath of the story, but we don't always get the early part of the story. The other part of it is, is that very often the uh, those that were opposing God or Yahweh as his was his name, claimed themselves to be divine. So, you know, for example, in the Egyptian uh, culture, Pharaoh was seen as a god, a divine god. And so uh, oftentimes the story in the Bible is actually which god is the, is the, is the real god, you know, right. which god is the most powerful god. Because uh, so many other, a number of other gods, are, yeah. like false gods, are yes. named in the Old Testament. They are, yes. You just see, like it's a, just a constant struggle of mm-hmm. the people. Like, who do we follow? Even, yes. even God's old own people kept turning away yes. from 
uh, from God. That's why they had to wander 40 years in the desert. And Sure. I mean, the, the, the whole question of, or, or the whole issue of, and, and maybe we could talk about this a little bit as an extension of our conversation, is that one of the worries that, that God had, and then later the prophets always had this too with the children of Israel, was that they would adapt to the culture of the people that they were with. And when you adapted to the culture, that meant that you absorbed their religion. Well, if the religion was pagan and was not worshipful of Yahweh, of the true God, then that would mean that they would start taking on, it would take on the flavor of that of the religion of the Canaanite gods or the Egyptian gods or the Babylonian gods or the Persian gods, whoever was the was the ruling authority. So stories like uh, Daniel in the lion's den, for example, you know, he refused to bow down to to the to the Babylonian king, and and it cost him. And ultimately, he didn't die, but he still got thrown into the lion's den. So that was always a a concern, and and so. To some degree, that debate is still part of Christendom today, particularly in America, where there is a there is a concern on the part of probably could describe it as um, Orthodox uh, Christianity or conservative biblical Christianity. I guess is how much do we adapt to the culture? How much do we, how much of the culture and what the culture promotes? How much do you want that to be a part of the worship life and the the living your faith life out, living out your faith? Do you adapt to the culture? Do you withdraw from the culture, as some religions have done in, in history? Do you say, well, we're in the culture, but we're not part of the culture? I mean, what do you, what do, you do with culture? Um, and, and, uh, and how much of that do you let that be? a significant or an influential part of what you believe. Well, I mean, in America, this is referred to as the melting pot mm-hmm. yeah. uh, of the world, pretty much. we have There are just so, so many cultures that come to America and not set up shop, but, you know, they, yeah. they, they bring their own uh, distinctive characteristics, sure. their own cultural characteristics. Right. And we're... For the most part, we're you know we're able to coexist. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah. Together. I mean, like sure yeah, we do as we have. Should. Yeah. We have some some disagreements mm-hmm. and whatnot right. here and there, but but for the most part, you know, we we do get along. Mm-hmm. Um, but but I I do understand uh, and get where that concern uh, you mentioned of like how how do how do we as as Christians maintain our our Christian values. Mm-hmm while also coexisting mm-hmm. um, and kind of integrating in with different cultures, but also addressing other cultural values that may go against our Christian values. Right. Yeah, I think that the, the dilemma, um, at least as I'm reading it, and of course I'm like just one this one guy reading it, but as I'm looking at it, I think one of the, the struggles is is that, for example, um, in America today, the value of inclusivity is highly prized. And it's so highly prized that if someone perceives that you're not being inclusive or that you're not 
that your definition of inclusivity is different from their definition right. of inclusivity, then there's going to be some real blowback that's going to come to you either in the form of public, some sort of public re- recrimination of that via social media, something like that, or even in some sense the accusation being made that you're uh, discriminating against someone because of whatever their particular orientation is or race or whatever. And then and then all you're trying to do is say, uh, well, this is what I believe and this is how I believe things ought to be from a religious point of view. And it then it runs into the cultural value of of, well, then you're not being inclusive, and then therefore you're not really being American. So it really is a, it's an interesting time to be, to try to figure those things out. You know, how do you um, hold to your, your particular uh, core values, which would come out of your religiousness, at least it does for me, um, at the same time that it feels like that where culture or American society is moving is further and further away from that very thing. What do you do then with it? Is that a question to me, <laughs> or is that just a general? question? <laughs> well, it's kind of a rhetorical, rhetorical question. question. I mean, okay. I think it is the qu- it is the question. It it is yeah. the question. I I certainly am interested in what in, in your perspective on that. Of course, um, if you have one, if you don't, that's okay. But um, I think that's just. I'm sort of stating that as the dilemma that a lot of, um, and I would say biblically conservative Christians have, mm-hmm. um, because there tends to be a, a a more narrow view of what's good and bad, what's right and wrong, what's this or that, and I think more in in more biblically liberal terms that these this is my terminology, not somebody else's. It's a broader view of what's what used to be good is I mean what used to be bad is good or what used to be right is wrong I mean it just to some degree um, holding fast to the biblical definitions of things seems to kind of have fallen out of um, favor in biblically liberal uh, uh, denominations or among biblically liberal people and that's kind of out of, you know, America is a pluralistic society, so you kind of have to make room for differing views. I think some of the clashes that are happening now in terms of of discrimination and, you know, how does that all fit into the into the mix, you know, that's that's a dilemma. Right. And and I dilemma. and I think the biggest issue that the more conservative conservative Christian mm-hmm. base to, to help use your terminology yeah. would be the, the topic of gay marriage yeah. um, in terms of being inclusive. Yeah. Um, being well, and not just limited to that, but not now, only the whole gender that, but thing, yeah, that's you know, definitely like, not, that all of that, you know, um, sexuality maybe is a kind of synonym to use for that. Right. But yeah. And yeah. that's definitely a, a cultural shift that's happening right now. And it is, and I can, and I can definitely understand why modern day Christians or, or even more mature Christians are having reservations mm-hmm. and anxieties on how to deal with this culture, culture right. shift. Right. And really the, for me, how I've been approaching it is 
actually going out there and, and talking to some some people who actually mm-hmm. do identify as a different gender who right. are who, or identify as no gender or gender fluid mm-hmm. or 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 what have you like are are in these types of relationships like and and that's kind of just modeling what Jesus him, himself did mm-hmm. was he went with you know he went with the tax collectors he and 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 the adulterer uh, the adulterers and mm-hmm. the and all the sinners cuz that in in his words you know the the healthy don't need a doctor <laughs> right right it, the it's the sick that that need that right. need the doctor yeah yeah the dilemma is and this is where I think we're all trying to sort this out and figure out where the lines are, is the issue of sin. Because where where is that line between how I am as a person and, and then what I do? And so when you look at Jesus' ministry, whether it was the tax collector, the adulterer, the prostitute, the the so-called sinner, whatever that meant, you know, in the, in that day, the thing that that strikes me with Jesus's ministry is is that he he always accepted where people were as a starting point, and he didn't allow whatever the culture said or even whatever the religious authorities of the day said were the untouchables, you know, were the the, the people that, oh, we don't associate with them, we don't have anything to do with them because they're so-called unclean in their right. lifestyle or whatever. You know, that never stopped Jesus from hanging out with Samaritans and other people that were considered the low life of the day. But, but where I think sometimes people get a little bit mixed up is that they assume that just because Jesus engaged with those folks— that that meant that he left them in the same state as they were when they first met him, you know. And that's where the issue of sin comes in. The, you know, the 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 woman caught in adultery is a good example. Mm-hmm. You know, Jesus said, "Well, I don't condemn you. That these people are condemning you. I don't condemn you." But then he also said, "Go and sin no more." So there was that part about who she was was certainly who she was, and there were reasons, obviously economic and other reasons for probably being a prostitute, but Jesus nonetheless said, I accept you, I love you, I don't condemn you, but don't go, don't sin no more. And I think one of the dilemmas for a lot of people today is that the word sin has kind of fallen out of favor, you right. know, that we don't really talk about sin much. We talk about poor choices. We talk about being inappropriate. We talk about all different kinds of words that we use. Right. But people are a little afraid to use the word sin with respect to some of the some of the uh, sexual forms or 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 gender things or you know how how you're right. wired all that kind of stuff and, and even just and identifying so where is that line well see? identifying it as sin you you then could be subject to being labeled as intolerant well, you are uh, and then yeah i don't think then, like the whole conversation that. is then cut yeah, off that's right you're then you're you're accused of using hate speech and and so it's like it's like well okay how how do we talk about those things with respect to the gospel which talks about forgiveness right see sin even sin talking about sin well sin doesn't get the final word as Jesus a christian <laughs> forgiveness is yeah. what covers sin 
But if I refuse to acknowledge sin or if I say, well, it's not sin, well, then how does forgiveness have a have a bearing, you know? And, and that's the approach that I'm trying to take with with those that I that I encounter in, in my everyday life yeah. who may not acknowledge sin as sin yeah. uh, or may just not have any religious belief whatsoever. Sure. I mean, I, I'm working on telling them what my viewpoint is uh-huh. and just having, you know, that respectful dialogue right. and just trying to be a good witness yeah. uh, somehow. I'm still yeah. working on that part. <laughs> um, uh, but the only way that I can, that I can get better at it is to actually, con- is to actually do it and continue yeah, really, to do it. I really admire that about you and commend you for that. You're, you're, you're walking into the quicksand and oh, yeah. yeah, you are I'm trying and, trying. And, no, you are. And, and you're not, you're not dodging it. You're, you're, you're intentionally engaging it. Good for you. And well, I, I approach it with the mindset that, or, well, I'm not even, I need to also communicate that, like, I'm not here to condemn you or judge you. Right. I'm, I'm here to just mm-hmm. tell you what's, what is in the Bible. Yeah. And then it is yours to do with with it what you may. Yeah. Uh, you still may you you still may not believe it. Yeah. I don't condemn you for that. Like I can only explain it so much. Is forgiveness then part of your part of what you talk about? Yes. Okay. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean Good. I mean, like I, I would not be able to tell you all this yeah. like right now without like acknowledging right. that just be like because of Jesus' forgiveness of my sins, right. that I'm I'm actually able to just witness in mm-hmm. this capacity, yeah. or even say That's this good. right now. But after after telling them all that, I I would still continue even if I can't explain it anymore. Mm-hmm. The best way that I can hope for them to continue in the understanding is don't you know don't listen to uh, the picketers out right. at at military funerals mm-hmm. saying you know. God, God loves dead soldiers or right, whatever. Right. Go into go into the Bible mm-hmm. and just look at it yourself. Right. Like don't listen to whatever somebody else is telling you. Fine. Don't t- don't listen to what I'm telling you. Mm-hmm. Go and listen to what you tell yourself right. through through reading of the Bible. Sure. And like don't just pick one verse here, one verse there. We mm-hmm. can because it's way too dense. That's the whole reason why I'm I'm trying to read it from start to finish. Yeah. Is because I can't really criticize one way or another Mm -hmm. uh, or even try and act like I know what I'm talking about (laughs) without actually reading the whole entire thing. Cause I've actually, cause I've never read the entire Bible in my entire, in my life. And as a 32 year old Mm -hmm. Christian right now, I feel ashamed for having to say that. That's awesome. You know, I'd need to, I I should be reading it more. Yeah. You're it. it, You do have a, biblical frame of reference and then that and you could you're able to do it with integrity right because you've done it yeah yeah it, exactly yeah, like, absolutely. like I, I would be i would kind of be a hypocrite otherwise yeah you know so i'm so. although there's plenty of other ways to become a hypocrite <laughs> yeah oh yeah <laughs> oh yeah for sure for sure yeah so what are you going to read next after you're done with the bible well i i do have some some study bibles that mm-hmm. i'd like to reference yeah. and go through but this might sound weird, mm-hmm. but I I'm actually interested to go through the Quran mm-hmm. just just to see w- like where 
where those that that are followers of Islam are coming from, what yeah. their frame of reference is, sure. because I don't want the Quran to be some just big bad boogeyman mm-hmm. or whatever. I want to I, I want to know what what is in there. Why mm-hmm. why does it formulate you know certain thoughts? Why do people say it's bad? Why do others say it's good? Sure. Um, I mean, I, I feel like I won't be you know tempted to convert or anything like that. No, like, I, I, you know, I, that, I, I am fascinated by the, that approach, though. It because what it what it re- makes me think of is a little bit of my own um, perspective too. That that when you have a solid foundation right. of biblical value, our faith, all those things. That that actually um, frees you up to to look at and try to understand where other religions are coming from. Certainly, from a perspective also of saying here's here's where that religion would depart from a biblical basis. Okay, but since you have a biblical basis, you you actually have some informed way of doing that. You know, as opposed to a person who who has a very shallow or limited uh, exposure to the Bible, and then becomes critical of the Bible when they look at when they look at other religions. So uh, that's interesting. Yeah, I, I've I've always been a um, I've not a fan of ignorance. You know, yeah. I'm I'm always more of a fan of education because right. through through that education, it gets it, it helps. Mm-hmm. Broaden that perspective, sure, and also understanding, yeah. and then uh, it helps us communicate better because mm-hmm. we we have a better understanding of where one another right. is coming from, right. And then we like once we are mm-hmm. able to establish some sort of common ground, then we can move forward, yeah, on how we can coexist or or what have you. Yeah, I mean, there's there's probably always a, some value in the idea that I mean, I think there's actually a lot of value in the idea that that understanding where the other guy's coming from, you have a better chance of bridging the two than you would if you didn't, if you only understood your point of view, but you didn't understand the other guy's point of view. Right. Um, so that'll be an interesting exploration for you. I'm kind of kind of um, looking forward to having more conversation with you <laughs> while you're, while you're, uh, while you're doing that. That's yeah. good. Yeah, it'll be interesting for yeah. sure because I are, I do have like a digital version of it already on my uh-huh. on my Kindle, but yeah. uh, as as I mentioned, I'm not through with the Bible yet. Right, so, right. Oh, I've been able to make quite a bit of headway in the Bible the last couple of yeah. months. Yeah. So I'm a very slow reader. Well, so. I mean, reading <laughs> Luke is frankly a whole lot easier than reading Leviticus. I mean, yeah. let's, let's oh, face yeah, it, for yeah, sure. Sure. And yeah. it was just great because this morning before I before I went into work, I I went back where I left off mm-hmm. in Luke and it was just p- almost kind of perfect from uh, where we left off in our, in our conversation last time oh. where it was, it's a uh, uh, Luke chapter 12 uh-huh. verses 22 through 31. Okay. Which is titled, do not worry. Oh yeah. Yeah. So, okay. Yeah. Yeah. It, 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 the anxieties right if, of life. And, yeah, exa- yeah. Yeah, exactly. With the anxieties of the life. Yeah. yeah sure. so, like, then Jesus said to his disciples, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or about your body, what you will wear for life is more than food and the body more than clothes. Mm-hmm. Consider the ravens. They do not sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn yet. God feeds them. And how much more valuable you are than birds who 
who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to your life? Since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? Mm-hmm. And it just goes on. And, yeah. on and, like, and I'm like, wow, this is just like so... <laughs> Uh, coincidental, so mm-hmm. serendipitous mm-hmm. Uh, that like that was the exact next passage right. after our discussion last How time. Perfect, huh? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it just it, it kind of just gave me like a warm, fuzzy mm-hmm. feeling. Like, okay, I may have you know some some struggles in this life or some worries, mm-hmm. uh, anxieties, but. God, I, I know that God will take care of me Yeah, one, one way I mean, or another. That, see, that's that core reassurance that a person who has a relationship of faith in Jesus or in God would have where it's hard to understand or, or, or get some sense of a person who does not have God in their life or has said, well, I'm very spiritual, but I don't believe in any one thing. Okay, I don't know. I've never known what that is. But it's hard for me to to imagine then how that person would have a sense of comfort and reassurance beyond himself. He, he would have it in himself, of course, but there's much in life that that we as humans can't control. And so then where would you find the the uh, sort of uh, container or the resting place for your worries and your fears? And, and you know, I mean, okay, uh, I know as a Christian we have worries and fears, but, but at the end of the day I can say God's in charge, God's in control, and, and he works all things together for the good of those who love him. Well, what about the people that don't love him? You know, so just right, is, yeah. is how much, how much that person would be missing out on, um, and uh, I don't, I don't know how that person can have any sort of uh, hope or comfort or anything like that beyond themselves. Yeah, or at least just beyond this earth, Pardon? as well, or at least beyond this earth as yeah. well. Yeah, yeah. If you don't have that that foundation, that basis, right? Uh, even if it is on yourself. What do you have beyond that? That's correct. Yeah. It would just be this earthly realm. Yeah. And what about beyond that? Beyond that, <laughs> I know. know I yeah. Mean? Yeah. I often wonder if people who who identify themselves as being spiritual but not religious and, and have attached themselves to no one particular um, form of belief, you know, like Christian or Muslim, whatever they are, do they do they not believe that there is something after this life? And then they just say, well, that's, I know what they say. Right. But I, I'm often wondered if that, do that, is that what they really believe or is it just what they say? Because I kind of wonder sometimes if, if when, when we all face that moment of um, coming face to face with our own mortality, do I, do I really think that there's nothing beyond this? That's just hard for me to fathom. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's same. Same for me too. I'm like, even if I weren't Christian or weren't or, or weren't religious, like yeah. I, like I cannot even imagine just like nothing. I know. Like yes. <laughs> like you die and that's it. Like that's that's it. That's yeah. over. Like I know it. Then what? Ha- yeah. Like I'm. I'm just. My mind's getting blown. Yeah. I'm I know. Just I'm trying right, to think that now. Crater. Crater. Like, crater. Yeah. I, yeah, can't process I, I talked to a guy one time. I, I can't remember. I think I was probably in college, so it was long, long, many years ago. 
and we we worked summers together i think and we were talking about that and and he had basically said that he was a guy that that uh, believed that you know you live your life and then you die and then that's it there's nothing after that and then that gave me an opportunity to say that i was christian and i believed in an afterlife and heaven and hell and that kind of thing and so then um as we were concluding the conversation, I just had said, you know, really, when it comes down to it, we won't know until the moment which one it is. But what if you're right and I'm wrong, that that is the end and there's nothing there? And I mean, there's really nothing lost. Right. But what right. if I'm right and you're wrong? I mean, I, I, I just, you know, I don't know that it would be a case of James saying, well, you know, I better cover my bases, you know, right. just in case. I mean, that's kind of playing fast and loose with with uh, God's Word. But to some degree, I, I just, I can't imagine not believing something about that and having some some worry, I guess, or some, I don't have worry, but, I, but I'm thinking Curiosity. Somebody, yeah. Curiosity more yeah. so than anything else, yeah. I would think. Sure. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Messiah's Upper Room. Here at Messiah Lutheran Church, our mission statement is sharing his light. That means sharing the light that is Jesus Christ and telling others about his gospel. If you want to join us in that mission, please share this podcast with someone that may want to come and better know the light of Jesus. Use one of our past episodes as a starting point to start a discussion with someone or use a past series as a personal Bible study or devotional for your family or small group. If we've given any value to you at all, consider leaving this podcast a rating and review on iTunes. That will help us climb the iTunes rankings so we may better spread the reassuring good news of Jesus Christ and continue to share his light with anyone willing to listen. Thank you again so much for listening, and until next time, may God bless you throughout your week. Bye.